Amen. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Before we get into the message this morning, again, just a reminder, Saturday, July 21st, we're having a fundraiser for our church facility, and we're just asking not only for your prayers for that, over that event, but for your help and support. Um... For you to show up that night and maybe even invite some some folks to come with you, even outside of our church family, to be a part of that night, to help us reach our goals uh, so that we can not only have this wonderful facility, but be able to fill it with the things that we're going to need for ministry when we get over there. And let's not forget that God is giving us this opportunity to establish a permanent footprint here in the East Valley to leave a lasting legacy. It's going to be something that when we're in heaven years from now, I think you're going to be glad that you invested in this ministry and the lives that were touched through this ministry, including maybe your own. And so again, we would invite you to be a part of that night. If you have any questions, there's a flyer back there on the table. There's information back there. But you could also see my wife, Lisa, or Judith Carlson, who is heading this uh, evening up, and if you have any questions, I know those gals would be glad to to answer any questions that you have about that evening. And if you've been over by the site, you're seeing a lot of progress over there. I had a chance to tramp around there last week again, and it's just exciting to see the walls going up almost now to their full height, and to see that walkway back there. Uh, it's going to be the walkway between phase one and eventually phase two. It's going to connect both those phases. So a lot of a lot of cool stuff over there that's happening. And we're coming down to sort of the last several months here at Basha. And, uh, you know, so a lot of exciting things. Uh, the book of Ephesians is where we're going to be again this morning. And if I had to give a title to the message today, I... I think I would entitle it, The Exclamations and Explanations of Life in the Spirit. Because what we're going to look at this morning is sort of four what I call exclamations of things surrounding our life in the Spirit that Paul says, let's do this or let's not do this. And then he explains to us, why God is saying for us to do this or not do this. The, the reasoning behind these exclamations. So, the exclamations and explanations of life in the Spirit. And that's what this series, this six-month series has really been on, is focusing on what the New Testament teaches us about the Holy Spirit and living in the Spirit. And the first one that I want us to look at this morning is found in Ephesians 3, verse 14 is where I'll begin, where Paul is bowing his knee and he's beginning to pray for the Ephesian church, the Christians there in Ephesus. And he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And I'm praying specifically, first of all, for this, that according to the wealth of His glory... The abundance, the fullness of the glory of God, His infinite magnificence and majesty 
that he may grant you all to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person. The first exclamation we have here this morning is for all of us as Christians to be strengthened with power through his spirit. If he were not automatically strong, we have to allow an outside force to strengthen us. You and I can't build up strength from our human nature or from our flesh. That's not going to be enough strength that we need to deal with life and navigate life and get through all the seasons of life and the trials of life and to rise to the challenges of life. We need a power that is beyond ourselves. And that power, the Bible teaches us, comes through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Notice he says, be strengthened. Again, you and I cannot strengthen ourselves, but we can allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to grow us stronger, to make us mighty. In the Old Testament, there's an example where King David was having a terrible day. He had been very soundly defeated by the enemy of God and... uh, The people even surrounding him were starting to doubt in his leadership. They were actually going to take up stones and stone him. And the Bible says at that moment, David strengthened himself in the Lord. You see, he found strength in his God. This word strengthened is used another place that we're very familiar with in the New Testament. It's it's the same word. It's found in Philippians 4.13 where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. You see, God is saying, I need you to grow stronger. I need you to increase in strength. I need you to be willing to allow me to make you mighty, notice then, with power. And this word power here in verse 16 speaks of God's power. A supernatural power. A power that prevails. A power that can overcome. A power that can give us victory no matter what we face. That kind of power. It is the same power that Paul talks about in other places where he says, you and I have resurrection power that is living within us that all we have to do is uh, tap into it through the Holy Spirit of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul said in another place, resides in us. And then he says, this is all able to to come to fruition, if you will, through His mighty Holy Spirit. See, that's why it's important that you and I as Christians get connected to the Holy Spirit. Learn to live in the Spirit. Learn to rely and depend on the Spirit. Learn to allow the Spirit to do what the Spirit wants to do. And one of the things He wants to do in our lives all the time, continually, because these words speak about a continuous empowering, a continuous strengthening. It's not like we, you know, get one charge, if you will, by the Spirit, and then we go for weeks, months, or years. 
No. We are to be continually strengthened by the Spirit at all times. And that's why you and I need to make sure that we are in touch with the Spirit every day and throughout our day. And then he says, I am praying that you will be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner person. Within us. At the, at the deepest sort of core level of our human beingness, if you will. That inner strength. God is saying, I want to pour my supernatural prevailing power into you through the indwelling Holy Spirit so that you can have this inner strength. That no matter what forces are coming against you, no matter what pressures are pressing against you, you will have enough inner strength through my spirit to be able to, you know, rise to the challenge and not crack under the pressures of life. Be strengthened. Do you realize that you and I as believers have unlimited strength at our disposal? Unlimited strength. The the power of God at our disposal. And Paul is simply saying to the Ephesian church, are we availing ourselves of that power? We have it. Because if the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you, then you have unlimited, supernatural, prevailing power inside of you every day. The question is not, God, I, you know, I need your power. The question is, we already have the power. Are we simply in touch with it? Are are we in touch with the Holy Spirit? Are we allowing Him to strengthen us? Now, there's an explanation, too, of why God wants His people to be strengthened. If you go down to verse 21, notice that Paul says that God gathers us together as a community of believers in churches so that to Him there can be the glory in the church. He's not just talking here to individual Christians saying be strengthened individually with supernatural power through the Spirit in your inner person. He's telling the church corporately that it's up to us to all be strengthened individually so that when we come together, we can be a powerful community of believers. Why? Because it is only through a powerful community of believers that God will receive glory, that He will be seen by others through His people for who He really is. He is an almighty, powerful God. And and too often, churches are known for a lot of different things, but not that we are a community of spiritually powerful people. And yet, that's really where God gets glory. When, When people can see those people have a power in their life that is beyond themselves. They they live with a strength that is beyond themselves. And when they come together, my goodness, 
this person's powerful, this person's operating in the strength of the Spirit, and they all come together. And now they're a corporate group of people who are very powerful in the Lord. And when people look at us as a community of believers, what do they see? They should see the power of God demonstrated in our lives. You see, that's when God gets the glory in the church. See, God doesn't get glory whenever people look at a community of believers and all they see is weakness. It's when they look at a community of believers and they see a power beyond ourselves. And that's why it is each of our responsibility as an individual who makes up the church It behooves every one of us to make sure that we are being strengthened by the Spirit. Because if not, then when we come together as part of the church, we are actually weakening what could be the potential power of that church because we're not as strong and living in the strength of God like we should be, you see. That's our responsibility. Because each of us has a responsibility as part of a Christian community, as a church, to make sure that we are allowing God to strengthen us. And we're living in His strength. And we're living in His power. Every day. And it's not, again, that we won't have trials and tribulations and challenges and struggles and all of that, but that we're manifesting, that we're navigating it, and we're dealing with it, not in our own strength, but with the strength that God can supply a person. You see, that that's really the greatest witness that a community of believers can have. So that when people outside, either other Christians who aren't living by the Spirit, or people who don't have the Spirit, when they look at our lives, they they can be drawn to our God by seeing that there's something different in the way we live our lives and how we navigate our lives compared to everybody else. And so the first exclamation is, Be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner person. And the explanation is so that there can be glory, glory to Him in His church. You see. Yes, God's power and strength should be seen in our individual lives. But God wants to bring us together as a group of then strong, powerful Christians. His children. Who are being, and when we come together, oh my goodness, then, then the power that each of us brings from God then can just even raise the level of the power that is seen. And we allow God through His Spirit to bring His power to bear on our church and on our decisions and on our life and on the things that we are dealing with and struggling with. And people can see again, my goodness, there's, There's a strength I don't even know. There's a power that I don't even know. And I I want to know about that power and about that strength. But there's another one. If you go over to Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 30, another exclamation of the Spirit is, And do not grieve The Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day 
of redemption. First of all, to grieve the Holy Spirit again reminds us that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not just a force. He's not just this impersonal, you know, thing. That that he is a person. You can't grieve something that's not personal. And so it reminds us of the personhood and personality of the Holy Spirit of God. Even as God, we have to remind ourselves, we as Christians, because that's who he's talking to here, the church at Ephesus, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. What's it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, the word grieve means to experience deep emotional pain. In other words, Paul is saying that it is possible for even us as children of God to bring deep emotional pain to the indwelling Holy Spirit. In fact, this word speaks about a pain so severe and so intense that it was used by the Greeks to describe the pain of childbirth. And notice something. When you study the Word of God, one of the things that we've always got to maintain is to study it and couch it in its context. So it's very important as we go through here that we're going to look at these exclamations of of life in the Spirit, but then look at the surrounding context to understand the explanation. Why is Paul telling us to be strengthened in the Spirit? Why is Paul telling us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And then that will help us understand how we grieve the Holy Spirit. And in this context, you'll notice, guess what? From really verse 25 of chapter 4, all the way down through the beginning of chapter 5, it's all about relationships. It's all about how we treat one another, how we deal with one another interpersonally. Look at verse 25 of chapter 4. We should lay aside falsehood, each of us speaking truth with our neighbor. For why? We're members of one another. We're connected to one another. So don't be angry and not sin. It's possible, by the way, to be angry and not sin. (laughs) You see. Then he goes on to say, Do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. The one who steals must steal no longer. Rather, he must labor doing good with his own hands so that he may have something to share with the one who has need. You must not let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for the building up of the one in need, that it may give grace to those who hear. Building up one another with our words. We talked about how God wants to build his church and put us together in all of that last week. And guess what? Part of that is our responsibility, which is why Paul says in Romans 14, verse 19 to the Christians in Rome. So then pursue the things that make for peace amongst yourselves and for building up one another. It is so easy, especially in our society today. And you and I know it very well with things like 
internet and social media, it is very easy for us to get caught up in the very critical attitudes and negativity of the world today. And it's very easy for all of us to sit back and be critical of others and hurl, you know, insults at others and tell them all the things that they're doing wrong. It's much harder and it's much more part of what it means to live in the spirit to build up one another with our words rather than tear one another down. And we live in a world today even where Christians struggle to build one another up with their words instead of tearing them down with their words. And I especially take exception to Christians who will sit there doing nothing while they're tearing down people who are doing something. If you want to get my ear as the pastor of this church, even as far as constructive criticism and and advice and things like that, I will listen to any of you. I will listen to anyone. But you also have to understand that I hope that you are also coming at it from a position that I know what it's like to be out there doing stuff and being criticized for it rather than just sitting back doing nothing and just telling others this is the way you should do it. Because that's real easy to do that. We all can do that very quickly and very easily. It's a whole other level of living life to be able to let no unwholesome word come out of our mouth, but only what is beneficial for the building up of one in need. And notice now it's in that context that the very next thing Paul says is don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Then notice verse 31, the very words right after that, you must put away every kind of bitterness, anger, wrath, quarreling and evil slanderous talk. Instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. The exclamation of life in the spirit is don't grieve the spirit. Don't bring deep emotional pain to the Holy Spirit of God who lives in you. And how are we doing that? Very clearly, the context is by the way we treat each other, by the way we talk about each other. That brings deep emotional pain to the Holy Spirit. Every time you and I are tearing down others rather than building them up, we are bringing deep emotional pain to the Holy Spirit of God. It grieves the heart of God to see people treating one another the way they are, especially Christians. (laughs) especially children of God. Paul says that really brings grief to the Holy Spirit of God. That's why Paul says we should strive never to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You see, the Holy Spirit of God not only gives us strength, back to chapter 3, to be able to bring glory to God in His church, He gives us the strength that we need to be able to do relationships well. To be able to have good, healthy relationships with one another. To be able, like the Bible says, as much as it lies within us to live peaceably with all people. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can give us that kind of power and strength. 
Otherwise, we're always, you know, looking out for us and, and taking offense at everything and, and seeking revenge and, and getting bitter and becoming unforgiving and all of that. That's the easy worldly way to deal with relationships. And that's why many and most relationships today are disposable. They are crumbling. Uh, they aren't lasting. Uh, they're struggling because the Holy Spirit's not in charge. And we even see it in the church amongst Christians who struggle in their relationships with one another. And why does God put such a premium on our relationships with one another? Because if we struggle in our relationships with one another, we're going to struggle in our relationship with Him too. Because the same principles that you and I need in order to build strong relationships with one another, we also need in our life to build a strong, vibrant relationship vertically with God. And so God is saying, be strong in the Holy Spirit so that you can be a powerful group of people who demonstrate to others who are looking on at your life that there is a strength in your life beyond yourself and you can bring glory to God in His church. Be strong in the Holy Spirit so that you can excel in relationships in your life and you can do them well, as well as a fallen human being can do. Do them well. Do them honorably. Do them, do them the way Christ would do them, you see. And that's only when we allow the Holy Spirit to be in control in our lives and we do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Well, there's another exclamation of the Spirit found over in chapter 5 and verse 18. Paul says to the Ephesian Christians, do not get drunk with wine. Do not become known for being intoxicated or impaired with wine, which is debauchery. It simply means an irretrievable waste. In other words, it's a time in your life, a day in your life, a season in your life you can never get back. Once that time is spent doing something that wasteful, you and I can't get that time back again. Instead, be filled by the Spirit. That's the exclamation. Be filled. What's it mean to be filled by the Spirit? Many Christians sort of use the idea, it's, it's like a cup or a, a bottle, and then we allow the Holy Spirit to sort of, you know, pour Himself into us and we get filled up. But that's really not the best illustration. Why? Because the Holy Spirit already lives inside of us. The word filled here means to diffuse throughout. It means to be permeated completely by the Spirit. In other words, he's simply saying the Spirit of God already lives inside of you. Let Him fill every cavity. Let, let Him fill every hole of your Every part of your being turn over to the influence of of the Holy Spirit, which is another reason why the parallel here is between don't be intoxicated or impaired with wine, but be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. 
And he's saying, don't let any part of our personality, of our being, of who we are, not be filled in by the Spirit. Let Him be the primary influence in every area, every part of our life, which again sort of shoots down the whole concept of compartmentalizing our life into the sacred and the secular. There is no such thing in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is to have control of every area of our life. There's to be a consistency and a transparency. We should be the same people outside of church that we are at home and at work and at school and in our neighborhood and with our family and with our friends because the Holy Spirit's supposed to be there influencing us all the time in every part of our life, in every way. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And why again does he say when we waste our time being intoxicated or, or under the influence of wine rather than the Spirit? Why? Because notice he also says in verse 16, we as Christians should be taking advantage of every opportunity we have. Seizing every opportunity because the days are evil. I don't think I have to tell you that. You know that to be the case. And so he says, how can we as a Christian seize every opportunity God has for us in this brief life that just flies by if we're busy doing things that really end up being a waste of time instead of letting the Spirit be our primary influence and let Him have every area of our life. Let Him permeate us thoroughly and completely, diffusing His influence throughout our lives in every situation. And then he goes on to say, For this reason, do not be foolish, but be wise by understanding what the Lord's will is. You and I will not really be able to grasp or comprehend continually what God's will is for our life unless we are filled with the Spirit. So, exclamation, be filled with the Spirit. Explanation. So that we seize every opportunity God gives us on this earth. And so that we can continually grasp and comprehend what God's will is. But then there's another one that follows. Look at verse 19. You and I will know as believers in Christ that we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit when we live a life of praise and worship. And not just individually, but where we look forward and anticipate coming together and lifting up our voices in praise to God, which is just what we did. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord. That's why it's like when a Christian says, I don't have time to sing. I don't have time to worship the Lord. And especially in the context of coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ. All I've got to say to you, and I know this is just like really raw, but it's truth. And I'm going to say it in love. When you have that kind of attitude as a Christian, you are not demonstrating that you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because it's very clear that Christians who are under the influence of the Holy Spirit will have a heart of gratitude, thanksgiving, wanting to 
come together, not just individually, but wanting to come together with their brothers and sisters in Christ and sing praises and worship the Lord in song and lift up our voices to God and shout to God and say amen and hallelujah, you see. That's part of why we know that the Spirit of God is influencing us in our worship. And when we come together, man, we, we, should be, we should be looking forward to the times where we can come together and worship the Lord together. Why is that so important to God? Why is that an evidence of being under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Because it encourages us to know that out there in the world when we get beat up throughout the week... And where we might hear a lot of things, but it's not the worship of God that our ears are taking in. It's so good to be able to come and not just hear our own voice, but to hear other people's voices. Brothers and sisters in Christ who have a heart for God just like we do, who are lifting up their voices in praise to God. There's something encouraging about that. And that's why instead of, you know... Being outside those doors when worship starts, we all should be clamoring to get in here as early as possible and make sure that we are part of this worship time that we have. Notice he goes on to say in verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for each other in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Another evidence of the Spirit. So thankful that we have a community of believers that we can come together with and lift up our voices in unison to God, with one mouth and with one tongue glorifying God, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, every exclamation of life in the Spirit that Paul's giving, he's then in the surrounding context giving us an explanation of why these exclamations are given to us. Be strengthened with the power of God through the Spirit. And here's why. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Here's why. Be filled with the Spirit. Here's why. One more I'd like to share with you this morning. You go over to chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. You have this great passage on spiritual warfare. And notice right off the bat, Paul is telling them, finally be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of His power Going back to what we just talked about in chapter 3, verse 17. Be empowered. Increase your strength in union with God. Just as David did. Why? Because he says, that's the only way you and I, verse 11, will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The, the spiritual enemy that we all face as Christians. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against demonic forces that are much more powerful than we are as human beings. And the only way we're going to stand up in those seasons of spiritual warfare to these other forces is through the strength of God and by the aid and power and support of the Spirit of God, which is all God asks us to do. Notice verse 14. Stand firm. That's all God asks us to do whenever we're under attack spiritually. It simply is a military term for soldiers that meant Hold your ground. Don't back up. Don't retreat. Don't turn your back and run on your enemy. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You hold your ground. And in the midst of all this, Paul is giving us the armor of God. But 
Very interestingly, there's only two offensive weapons that God gives us. All the rest are defensive. And the offensive weapons are found in verses 17 and 18. So look at them with me. First of all, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He's saying to us as Christians, you have the sword of the Spirit of God. What is it? The Word of God. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil himself, Jesus fought the devil with the Word of God. He quoted Scripture. And you and I have that same resource for us when we are under spiritual attack, either by demonic forces or maybe even forces within our own head, our own bad thought life, or even maybe the words of others that attack us. We have an offensive weapon. It is the Word of God. It is the very breath, the authoritative voice of God that called this world into being out of nothing. You and I have the very powerful Word of God. The Word of God that the writer of Hebrews says is alive and active and powerful. And then he says, we also have the powerful resource of prayer. He says in verse 18, with every prayer and petition, praying at all times, notice, in the Spirit... And to this end, be alert with all perseverance and request for all the saints. What's it mean to pray at all times in the Spirit? It simply means, let the Spirit lead, guide, direct you as you pray. Let Him be the one that even energizes you, keeps you focused as you pray. But always pray. Men ought always to pray, Jesus says, and not to give up, lose heart, be discouraged. Luke 18, verse 1. Prayer, powerful weapon of God. The Word of God, powerful. The only weapons offensively that you and I need. And Paul says, we never have to feel like we lack for proper resources because Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, he says, though we live as human beings, we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are made powerful through God to pull down strongholds. I hope you believe that today. Prayer is powerful, my friends. The Word of God is powerful. And the Spirit of God takes these weapons and puts them in our hands and says to us, use them. Use them to pull down those strongholds. Use them to fight off the attack of the enemy. We are more than equipped, more than prepared to meet anything that the enemy or anyone will ever throw against us. We are mighty through God because of the armor that God gives us and the spiritual weapons that God gives us. We can always hold our ground. We don't have to give an inch. We don't have to back up. We never have to, nor ever should we, retreat. We are the children of Almighty God. And we stand every day in His power and in His strength. And we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. All He says is, 
Take what I give you. Use it every day so that you can hold your ground. Explanations of life in the Spirit, the exclamations of life in the Spirit. I hope you'll remember them. I hope you'll, I hope you'll meditate on these in the coming weeks. I hope you'll think every day about being strengthened with the Spirit. I hope every day you'll think about not grieving the Holy Spirit in the way you do relationships. I hope every day you and I, you know, will think about being filled with the Spirit so that we can seize the opportunities and understand the Lord's will and truly be able to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I hope we'll be able to take the weapons of the Spirit, if you will, the Word of God and prayer to fight off the attacks of our spiritual enemies. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask our worship team to come. We're going to do something a little different this morning, but I have just felt so led by the Spirit to do this today. I want us to do business with God today. I mean, I, that's my desire every every time we get together. To let God do what God wants to do. And leading up to this message this morning, I just felt, this is what God wants to do today. And all I can do is simply, in a sense, make it available. We have to respond as God's people. And so what I want to do today is just call upon you to be open. We just talked about the power of prayer, calling on God, being able to be immediately in His presence and interacting with Him so that we can be built up and strengthened and encouraged. Some of you are here today and some of you have a real physical need right now. Some of you are going through a season where you are physically suffering. You're, you're ill, you're sick, whatever. And here's what the Bible says. If we're sick, pray. If you're ill, pray. So I'm going to ask, if there's any of you that that's predominantly, if, if you had to say, I want prayer, I'm asking for prayer for something right now, and you fall into that physical category, I want you to, I want you to come here this morning and I want you to stand or be over here in this section. Then the next group. Some of you may have an emotional struggle right now, an emotional need. Emotions are powerful things. Now God made us with emotions. But God always wants us to understand that He wants those emotions to be under the control of His Holy Spirit, of His power Some of you right now may be struggling with things like anger, maybe discouragement, depression. These are real things. Anxiety. I know what that's like. Some of you maybe have been emotionally hurt or wounded in some way. Maybe somebody here this morning, you're you're going through a grieving process and, and you're just, maybe you're doing okay, but you would just like some prayer this morning for some emotional struggle or need that you have, would you come here to this section of the auditorium? And then over here, this is the spiritual section. And what I mean by that is 
a spiritual struggle, a spiritual need. Some of you may be here this morning and you may be echoing the words of that person in the Bible that says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm struggling right now to keep trusting you or believing in you for something. Maybe it's a crisis of faith. Maybe your faith is being attacked in some way. And and, and maybe you're going through a season of spiritual warfare. Maybe you really feel the oppression of the enemy. And and, and maybe you're you're feeling the oppression of, of, of demonic forces in your life. And you're saying, God, I know that I, I'm going through a season right now, and we all do. And, and I need prayer specifically for that spiritual need in my life. Will you come here? And so as we begin to sing, you just come to whatever section the Lord is leading you to come. And then I want to have a prayer over all who have come here today for prayer. Let's let God do business with us today. And let's remember something. Paul said in the very book we've been studying this morning that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Even as we come to God in prayer, Paul is saying our God's capacity to meet our needs goes way beyond what we could ever pray for or even conceive of. That's how great our God is. Open up yourself to the Lord this morning. Open up yourself to Him. And and as as people come, maybe some of you want to come and pray with them or offer to pray with them and be alongside of them as they come here this morning. I would invite you to do that. Be the body of Christ today as we sing, Whom Shall I Sing?